transponder code fed into the navigational computer at once. Double the patrols. You're beginning to bore me. Hello, sweet dorks. We are new to Who. And whether you don't know the old and only the new, or you just need an entry into classic Who, we are the chaps with suggestions for you. I'm Stephen. I'm Dan. And I'm Colin. We're doing season 19 Earthshock today. Yeah, we certainly are. 1982. 1982 is when it's uh, broadcast. Yeah, it's it's um, mm. produced in 1981. It has the long-awaited return of a famous famous yeah. monster, which we'll Who. get into later. Um, but it's this a, one's a, a recognised classic from the 80s. Yeah, I mm. think so. Yeah, we are no longer in the 70s. We are definitely. In the 80s. There is Wait, no doubt about that. We're deep into Peter Davison's fifth doctor. Mm-hmm. My doctor as, as a teenager. There you go. Yeah, That's out of nice. choice. Well, I didn't see him until it was showing at 4.30 in the morning for like years and years. I used mm. to get up in the morning and set my v- and so did I. VCR or just get up and watch it at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah before school <laughs> I used to do the same. It's crazy. Uh, I don't know when I came along uh, to Peter Davison. I know that when I first started watching Doctor Who, as I've mentioned before, was it was when Colin Baker was on television. So it would have been straight after Davison. Yeah. I didn't sort of, sort of see Sylvester McCoy or, or um, Colin Baker during that, that period in the 80s. It was mm. more so a case of uh, watching the reruns. But as I sort of got hooked into Doctor Who um, and started to read a lot more of the target novelizations mm-hmm. in particular of mm-hmm. the stories, um, it was Peter Davison's Doctor that I was uh, gravitated to. I think largely because of uh, the character mm. of the Doctor. First Doctor uh, after Tom Baker's long run of seven years as yeah, well. Tough. So that was a that was a big one. Tough yeah, act to follow. A really yeah. tough gig. And, th- and they went with Davison, I think, largely <clears throat> because he was an established household name. He was a, a star. Mm. Yeah. All creatures, um, great, all creatures small. great and small. Yeah, yeah. but a- also um, pretty much at the same time that he was produ- um, acting in Doctor Who, he was doing two other sitcoms, mm. one for the ITV, one for, for BBC. At, mm. What uh, were they? So Sink or Swim and Hold the Fort were those two. Ooh. So this guy was on television Imagine. everywhere um, yeah. and very much um, beloved as um, as Tristan in All Creatures Great and Small. So they, I, I think they tried to go for a safe bet here. Am I crazy or did our, our, our producer for this period is the uh, the infamous John Nathan Turner? <laughs> yes, Am I crazy yeah. or did he, did he work with um, Davison before Doctor Who? I think they actually worked together on All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah. So we've got Giant, J&T, John uh. Nathan Turner producing. He's the producer and he's been the producer now for uh, uh, about 18 months or so. Mm. He, he took over in Tom yeah. Baker's last season. That's yeah. right. And he goes right to the end in 1989. He does. All the way yeah. to the end. So he hammered in the first nail and the last nail. <laughs> yeah. He, um, it's widely sort of thought that he's at least partly responsible for the show sort of getting cancelled. Mm. Uh, now script editor? It's Eric Sayward, a, a divisive figure I would say in mm. fandom. Uh, Eric Sayward's the script editor but also the writer of yeah. Earth shock yeah now this isn't the done thing i suppose or it wasn't back in the no. heavenly unionized bbc, BBC. days mm. um so i think the way that they got around that was that they had um i believe <laughs> anthony root as the the nominated script editor but i don't believe he, he didn't touched or no this script in any way it's very much so. um mm. unadulterated eric say i think and we have the result of when a script editor edits his own script yeah, in Earth shock. <laughs> yeah. But here we've got uh cowboy years guys that's how it works <laughs> That's how Cowboy Years works. Uh, Earthshock's definitely one of his um, better stories, oh. possibly his best, I think. I'd say so. It's, it's the second time that he's written for the show, mm. um, previously in season 19 also with The Visitation, which is okay, mm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. But Earthshock is really where he gets it right. Um, and I think the formula that he hits upon is is something that does work, uh, but it only works like all magic tricks once. Mm. Uh, and this is the first time that he, he pulls it off. And I think <laughs> yeah, the most right. successful time that he pulls it off as he well. He does try and do the same thing over and over. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, famous. He's always, there's always lots of endless gunfights. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of gunfights. There's a lot of deaths. Lot of it's death. very grim. Yeah. And uh, some of the shots that director Peter Grimwade. Um, yeah, he's superb in this. I love Grimwade. Yeah. yeah. What did he What did he do previously? Okay, so previously he's done Kinder, which is another recognised classic of season 19 with uh, with Peter Davison as the Doctor, but also. Uh, the very, very last Tom Baker serial, Logopolis, which is also a beautiful, haunting story. Yeah. Oh, I love Logopolis. Logopolis yeah. is one of my favourites. Great favorites, writing. Yeah. Great, great direction. And if you would were to describe Earthshock in one sentence, <laughs> how would you do it? Uh, an old enemy returned to destroy the Earth in the 26th century, but the Doctor foils them at a great cost. Uh, yeah, at a cost. <laughs> uh, and we'll get into that a <laughs> yeah, bit we'll later as well. Later. But let, let's just touch on the TARDIS team. We, mm. have, oh, we yes. have spoken about the fifth Doctor as played by Peter Davison. Mm-hmm. 
Um, how how would you sum him up as a character, or to you guys, Davison's Doctor? Yeah, he's good. You know, he's never particularly dark. He's sweet. Yeah, he's got a good temperament, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't sort of lose mild his, mannered. He, yeah, I think the word that comes to mind most readily for me is <laughs> decent. Um, he's probably yeah. probably in that regard the most uh, I don't know English mm. of, of doctors, mm. um, and, and just wouldn't be cricket otherwise. <laughs> exactly so, and hence yeah. the, hence the costume. I suppose the the what is it the um, the preamble to the um, to the rules of cricket state that the rule should not should be observed not only to the uh, to the letter but also to the spirit. <laughs> uh, I think that's Davison as well. He's fundamentally and thoroughly decent as 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 a doctor. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that um, I think is really quite important to note here is unlike Tom Baker, who is very much the star of the show and mm. the center of attention. Yeah. The fifth doctor is is more of a um, more of a Patrick Troughton doctor in the mm. sense that he's someone who's who's able to willing to um, be in the background or, or not be at the centre yeah. of attention yeah. all more of a, time. More of a facilitator. Yeah. Gets everyone else get... And I do think when done. he's in the background, uh, there's things he brings to his performance as well that if you watch for them, uh, are great. He's incredibly subtle and incredibly thoughtful. <laughs> he's always acting on screen. There's never a moment where he's just sort of standing there, unlike some of the other TARDIS crew that we could uh, perhaps yeah. talk about in a moment. Yeah. We well, will ha- talk he, about in this moment. one especially, he has to be good in the background and he has to be subtle and he has to give everything he's got because Sayward writes him right into the background. Mm. And that's actually, that's a really good point. And this is something that Sayward does do. He didn't get the worst do. of it, though. No, <laughs> no. Sure did. That, that's uh, the next Doctor who'll get the worst of that. So who else we got? We've got uh, well, Tegan, we- Tegan Javan. Okay, the, the Australian. Mouthy Australian. <laughs> uh, and actually, not so mouthy in Earthshock, I find. I think, she, I think she's a little yeah, bit more... Yeah, but she does actually characterise. This is, this is a line that Saywood gives us. She says... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's a mouth one. on legs. Yeah. She, she tones down. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah. once you get um, further on, she... Further yeah, on. she really breaks into the character. I think she was yeah. good in this one. I think another one yeah. that showed a bit of restraint this time around was Adric, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are moments, but look... I think he's given really good material, Obviously, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he and the doctor, and about um, time, considering. Uh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> he he is he, sort of <clears throat> sidelined for for a lot of his stories, and I think in this one he's given the the opportunity to come to the foreground. Yeah, mm. yeah I mean, I must admit, episode one, first five it's minutes, I yeah, first five minutes of being in the TARDIS, I thought, oh god, <laughs> how can I do four <laughs> episodes of it? Yeah, it's um, and this is Matthew Waterhouse, who I believe wasn't an actor prior to this. No. This is his first role. In you've an also role. you've got to remember also that he was pretty much still a kid when he was cast yeah. into Doctor Who. He was about 18 or 19 in Baker's run when he came in. Mm. And he's about, what, 21, 22 maybe? I think like, even younger than that. Yeah, I, guess, yeah. I guess even though he's an alien, I suppose because he's a teenage boy, mm. he was meant to be someone you could uh, relate to, I guess. Yeah. You know, maybe. Um, and then the we've got a third... So this is one of the times when we have three companions, which mm-hmm. is not a great idea because there's not always a lot for all of them to do. They so can't, can't write yeah. enough for them to do. We've got Nyssa, mm. who's by, by the fabulous Sarah Sutton. I love Sarah Sutton. Yeah, God. spends most of this one in the TARDIS. Yeah. yeah. Often, often you get an A plot and a B plot in <clears throat> narrative. Here we have a C plot, and it's basically <clears throat> Nyssa, along with another character, is stuck in the, the TARDIS for pretty much mm. the whole four yeah, episodes. Yeah. It's really they, unfortunate. As they, you say, Sarah Sutton's quite good in Doctor Who. Mm. Oh, she's fantastic. Great. This all comes back to this concept of the crowded TARDIS uh, during uh, Peter Davison's first uh, five or six stories. Mm. I'm not sure I'm a fan of the dynamic. I I can understand why they've done it. Again, it goes back to you know, defining themselves against the Tom Baker era, where yeah. it was largely yeah. Tom at the centre of the show, mm. one, companion, one companion, maybe a robot dog with him, <laughs> yeah. and then here we have instead more of a, a soap opera feel. And this is J and T at work. Mm. Um, he's someone who um, maybe had uh, quite different ideas about the way in which Doctor Who needed to go. I feel like he and Sayward also they really wanted to make it edgier and darker, and, mm. and they ended up kind of making I, it. I think Sayward did, but there's a tension there between the two. You have the sort of crowded TARDIS, and at mm. the same time some horrific, terrible things that are happening yeah. in the story. Yeah. really nice. And it's, mm. it, it creates Good. a bit of a tension, I think, in the way in which the um, the tone of the story develops. You but know, we don't have teams like Havoc anymore in Doctor Who, which is a little <laughs> bit of a shame. I could see some great Havoc moments. That would have been some great, of the, absolutely. Yeah, some of that platoon soldiers would have been great if they were uh, actually members of Havoc. Yeah. It would have been great. Yeah, I yeah. feel like for the 20 years before this, it's been a bit of a romp. Yeah. It's been wild and funny, mm. but it's, always, it's nearly always warm. And then as soon as we get to this this sort of era it's a little colder it's a little colder and harder which is not always a bad thing sometimes it's it's quite fun there are a lot of valid reasons why we've chosen Earthshock yeah let's um, get into yeah, let's why it's that. good for- uh, guys who who wheeled that Moog keyboard in here 
that's the uh, spoiler music. I should yeah. have known. Uh, we are getting into spoiler territory. So once again, as we're going to do with every episode, we're going to let you guys know if you haven't seen Earthshock yet and you're listening, get into it now. Stop us. Come back to us. We'll give you a minute. And we're back. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, first and foremost, shock horror. It's the Cybermen. They've come back. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're the Doctor's perhaps second most famous uh, foe. And, and don't they look amazing? I think yeah. the 1981 redesign yeah. of... The <clears throat> design is a triumph. I, yeah. I remember seeing this. It would have been about the same time. The overall appearance and costume design for something that at that point was over a decade old looked... Probably as good, if not better, than anything it's, that I saw super, on television yeah. sci-fi it's at the time. It's super 80s. Like, yeah. They look really they're very shiny. Uh, they've got cricket gloves that look like <laughs> massive robot hands. I like the gloves. I think they're, they're dumb, but I like them. And, yeah, you can see their chins through the clear glass plate, which I, I, I like. Yeah, it's great. It's a little sliver of, of the past in there. There's a little bit of humanity to it, I mm-hmm. guess. It's a perverted one, though. It's, it's yeah. a horrific representation of what humanity could become mm. if, we, if we progress down that path. That's very much what the Cybermen were to start with. So mm. you go back to the Tenth Planet, William Hartnell's last episode, mm. and that one in particular sort of is um, steeped in the body horror and those questions yeah. of what happens if we keep augmenting ourselves, mm. if we replace mm. our organs with machines. Mm. If, yeah. Where does that lead? What, what, at what point do that's, we actually lose our humanity? That's mm. my favourite thing about the Cybermen. They're kind of a cautionary tale, and it's yeah. even more yeah. relevant now. Yeah. You know, we're obsessed with phones and technology and computers mm. and the internet. Mm. They're a little sad to me in that way because they're sort of... There is a tragic element to yeah. it, yeah. But they're... Um, they're menacing i think never for me never really more menacing than in this one unnecessarily almost Mm. sadistic quite sadistic quite vicious while they're while they are a triumph in design they're almost a contradiction in terms too because uh you know look garnering any sort of pleasure from being cruel or 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 being a fear mongerer is still emotion these five men in this story sometimes appear to have emotions themselves when they're supposedly the stated fact that it's not supposed to have them and deny them the feeling of fear the ultimate in emotional response. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting well, line, isn't it? That was one of my early beefs with the new show, that they sort of changed the Cybermen and made them into yeah. mo- like robots with a lot of buzzwords like downloading, upgrading, deleting. Delete. You know, just like... <laughs> I actually prefer what we've got going on here. Yeah. Um, but I was also referring to the scene with Tegan where the cyber leader, played by the wonderful David Banks, really seems <laughs> to get a little bit of pleasure out of <laughs> seeing her traumatised with the, just the very idea of seeing her home planet just <laughs> Destroyed in front of it. The time draws near. It isn't necessary to taunt her. It is simply a fact, Doctor. I mean, and the yeah. doctor says, don't taunt her. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. very much like he's relishing the, yeah. the idea that um, he's going to upset Tegan as well as blow mm. up the earth. David Banks is, uh, some people do think he's a bit cheesy and he is a little corny, but yes. I like how over the top and how yes, like, me too. he's so sadistic yeah. and nasty. I, I think he takes he has cyber a lot of fun to, with it too, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. He takes yeah. it to an operatic level. Yeah. I do love in the, uh, the two subsequent Cyberman stories before the end of the show in Baker and McCoy, you get David Banks plays him again, even though it's a, obviously a different cyber leader. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Obviously, the program part of the Cyberman, the robot part, is always the same. He came up with leader. that. David yeah. Banks came it's up a good with idea. that. That's and it's implicit. I mean, David they never Banks. say it in the show, but mm. I think it's implicit, and I like yep. that idea. It's great. The one thing I liked about episode one, I thought it was maybe a little unusual, is the fact that um, it took so long for the Doctor and the TARDIS team to sort of arrive on the scene. There's like a good few minutes there of, of background sort of set up. We've had a, there's been an accident in a mine shaft on Earth in the 26th century, uh, a platoon of, I don't know what they are, rescue platoon. Yeah, they've, come in, rescue squad. They've, they've come in to investigate, you know, led by the wonderful Clive Selleck. That's Tom Selleck's uh, <laughs> less, less successful English cousin. Um, no, of course, that's not true. Steve, what, what's the actor's it's name? James who plays Scott. Yeah, Lieutenant Scott? I think that's right. Behind behind that glorious moustache. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's a man of action. I think he's great. And it's so 80s. He's gruff. Yeah. They treat it immediately as suspicious. Uh, and, you know, we get a, a good few minutes of that before we even see the TARDIS interior. Does this work for you guys? I didn't actually notice until the Doctor was on the scene. Yeah, they do then it quite it has well. worked. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right, good. yeah. You've got your guy on the surface, your um, affable northerner who's manning the uh, scanner station, <laughs> who I really like. I love that guy. Uh, I love him he's too. Great. Yeah. Uh, and he's watching lights wink out as people, oh, um, people disappear, shot. which I think is really good. Great shot. He's looking yeah. at a microfiche uh, viewer. <laughs> 
Godzilla, which, uh, yeah, I think the costumes are really good, the soldier outfits. There's, yeah, I like them too. The helmets um, are a little silly because they're really big on some of the mm. ladies, uh, which of which there are quite a few in this story. That was yeah. an interesting point. Yeah, it's, really, it's, it's, it's a lot it's, of women. Yeah, uh, obviously it's not, the military is no longer just a, a male preserve and mm. 26th century there's, mm. we'd like to think gender equality and that, mm. that comes across through that, yeah. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really great. There's also um, more women, not just in sort of soldiers and things, you've also got women in uh, positions of power. The wonderful Beryl Reed. Oh man, Beryl Reed. <laughs> now, Beryl Reed, in a sentence to me, is um, the mannerisms of Mrs. Slocum with the grit and determination of a young Churchill. I think <laughs> oh my god. Outer space is too cold for my pussy. <laughs> oh, that is an Are You Being Served joke in the Doctor Who podcast. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. She, Beryl Reed, yeah, she's, uh, well, she's an actress in the 60s and 70s. She was in Bells of Centurions. Mm, mm. She's in a lot oh, of yes. radio, BBC radio comedies. Mm. And she's still got sort of EastEnders soap, soapy hair. Yeah, her hair is amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. She plays oh, the captain on the starship, obviously. Okay, yeah. she's Captain Briggs. Does yeah. she pull it off? Yes. Venom is outside, mister. You're pointing a gun in the wrong direction. In, in my mind, uh, 20 out of 10. I think yeah, she absolutely, absolutely nails it. She's like a... A dinner lady in space. Well, she's like yeah. a soapy, you know, like in, yeah. in British soaps, you always have like a landlady. <laughs> a dinner lady in space. Well, she's, there's always a landlady of the pub in, on a soapy, and yeah, she's yeah. just like that. She's yeah. she's nasty, she's snappy, but she's also, she's also she wants to get the job done. Yeah. She wants to get that cargo delivered. On time. Even if she wants a bonus, man. Yeah, and she doesn't want to incur a heavy fine. If I'm late delivering my cargo, I not only lose my bonus... But I have to pay a heavy fine. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind health and safety. Yeah. But what I really like about this is a captain sort of demands a big personality, and she certainly mm. got that. Mm. I'm not convinced that she knows what she's talking about, but yeah. that's what acting yeah. is. Yeah, she's that's an actor. Right. That's right. And uh, as an actor, she's really, really good. And they, yeah. And they should. And it seems like it's one of those roles that they would traditionally give to a man, and also yeah. a second in command. I believe a second in command is Berger. Berger. Yeah. Who's also played by a woman. So they picked um, two women to play the, the two people in charge of the spaceship, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. And again, this is perhaps just like a bit of world building the 26th century perhaps you know there is yeah. gender equality as sure. we saw with the mm. troopers as well and the the whole spaceship crew really reminds me of uh, <laughs> doing night field work at Tesco in the, <laughs> in the early 2000s it's like the middle of the night you know it's one in the morning there's lots of grumpy people sitting around a table drinking bad coffee can we talk about Ringway? Oh, Ringway yeah. now again He's like great. a great segue for Ringway is of course Beryl Reed's contempt for him <laughs> so much her oh, and Berger man, both like, just like loathe the ringway, which which comes around later because he turns out to be the traitor. Yeah. Um, so so it's fine that they don't like him. No, yeah, well, there's always something off about him, and a character like Captain Briggs uh, <laughs> is definitely going to be picking up on those things. I love the fact that Ringway's uh, the traitor here. It seems to be like a bit of a, uh, a convention with Cyberman stories. There's always a human who has in some yes. some fashion contacted or become in league with with the Cybermen, thinking that they're going to oh, be rulers rewarded. of the earth or rewarded with uh, you know untold mm. riches. But of course, the wages of sin is death. He told them that there was only 10 crew uh, on yeah, board, of two of whom, Vance and the other one, look like they're probably, uh, you know, uh, extras out of EastEnders in a pub scene somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the only heavy lifting they, they've done is pints. They really, those two are straight out of Brookside. They really, yeah, yeah, those two, the soldiers on the deck who get killed. And the Sidemen think that, oh, he's, you know, the, the ringway, yeah. ringway's obviously lied, lied to them. Lied to us, and they so they murder him. <laughs> and he told, he was telling the truth. He was the perfect um, traitorous slave, and they killed him anyway. Mm. That's great. Um, can we talk a little bit about um, Captain Briggs? The way she treats uh, Ringway. Right, okay, yeah, um, well, like one of one of my favourite lines sure. is he's, he's talking over the intercom to her. He's, he's all business. I've apprehended two stowaways. Apprehended? Why can't he say caught? So melodramatic. I Anything think... he says, it doesn't matter. He's better off just keeping his mouth shut. Oh, I it's love like... that bit yeah. where the ter- Doctor and Adric are being interrogated by Briggs and Ringway's <laughs> sort of just standing off to one side. <laughs> he snips in with something and basically she shuts him straight down. Very early on, she sits down and turns to him and says, you're beginning to bore me. <laughs> She's so good. That withering contempt. I love I think... it. There's that there's awesome shot of her standing over Ringway with a gun oh, trained yeah. on him yeah, and yeah. she's got one leg up on the chair. It's but so he kn- great. Yeah, but he knows one thing false move she'll shoot him yeah. she will shoot him she just wants an excuse I think Beryl Reed uh, nails uh, it oh, with uh, a plum one little piece of trivia I read uh, on Wikipedia that her um, her biography which I think came out last year is called um, Roll Out the Beryl <laughs> <laughs> pretty good pretty good oh, Beryl Reed anyway enough about Beryl Reed Beryl we're trying Reed. to do a Doctor Who podcast <laughs> may she rest her hair bed. survives but she, she's gone yeah, she'll never be forgotten 
I just want to talk uh, briefly about the sets and uh, um, I think it's it's superb first to last. So the mm. caves, the oh, caves as yeah. a kid, I actually thought they shot underground. Man, yeah. I did too. Eyes clearly not. But mm. as as a cave set, but what a set! When yeah, you when what? you get older and look at it, you realize it's really one room and maybe a corridor with the yep. dinosaur bones in it. Yeah, mm. but it's, it looks great. It's, so, it's, it's one so of the cool, another reason yeah. why it's good to recommend this one for people who are new to classic Who is because mm. the production is high. Uh, is great. It's pretty mm. good. The costumes are good. The it's effects been, are even good. Earthshock has been described as like mm. a, a Doctor Who movie almost. Yeah, it's, I agree uh, with that. It's on that sort of scale, I think. Um, you've got the sets like the caves and you've got the freighter as well, which seems so expensive. I it does, I, and, and that's aided by some exceptional model work. Yeah, the model yeah, work's really yeah. good. They do so much with it. There does seem to be a bit of money pumped into this one. Um, it's probably got a lot to do with the idea of the, bringing the Cybermen back. But there's also things like there's that shot where, um, I forget what happens, the Doctor changes the molecular structure of that door that, <laughs> yeah. the, that the Cybermen's trying to um, blast through. Oh, yes. So we get That's this great, so great we yeah. get this great shot where the Cyberman gets caught halfway, aka mm-hmm. Han Solo in <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it looks fantastic. It's a great effect. It yeah, really does good. look great. Really How much money? What did that cost? That is such a great <laughs> prop. Like it was That's amazing. Seventy five pounds going right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also smash through uh, the Cybermen who are the army that's asleep on the freighter secretly mm. when they start to smash. This out This is of their, actually the point where they, the budget runs out. I think yeah, when they start <laughs> to smash out of their cardboard tubes. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's like a really nice homage to Tomb of the Cybermen. It very much channels that. So we have the uh, Cybermen in their silos, almost like entombed in, in cocoons, perhaps. Sure. Yeah. And they're bursting out of plastic as well. Plastic bags, mm. yeah. you know, which shows they don't. Yeah. They don't need to breathe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That looks great, doesn't it? They tear the plastic from their forms and they just sort of step forward. It's so great. That's right. They, he does say reactivate the army or whatever and then a Cyberman back at a control post just presses one button <laughs> <laughs> it's like what if he slipped on that button accidentally I, I, don't like know. I, don't, I don't know I don't know how they fit 15,000 Cybermen into that freighter secretly and- okay so the idea is that the Earth is hosting an interplanetary yeah. delegation or, or conference that will basically yeah. uh, result in an alliance against the Cybermen yeah. that would be too great for their forces at that point I suppose what we have is the introduction of um, the Cybermen's plot which is to basically land an invading force of 15,000 Cybermen on the on the planet and decimate it. There's fifteen thousand of them in mm. fifteen thousand silos within the hold of this. Well, yeah. we've already oh, seen yeah. to be a, a huge echoing uh, chasm freighter. ship. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it actually makes sense, and it, it really does sort of um, it doesn't stretch the imagination too much in that regard. Mm. I mean, if it was shot. To make it, you know, make it look like it was just a BBC studio, I would have had you know some great reservations about fifteen thousand Cybermen yeah. fitting into a space of, of around yeah. about ten foot by six. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, First shot of the freighter from beneath. It's, I think it's great. It's a great how, model. How yeah. do we? It's really brilliant. How do we feel like now that we've covered that about the the idea of this um, this sort of <laughs> committee of, of the planets to sort of take down the cyber race? Yeah. How do we feel about the idea that no one seems to know who the Cybermen well, are? The if they're days. such a force to be reckoned with, but, should they not be immediately recognisable <laughs> like, on site? Well, like, man, reading, I wish we had reading, David Banks on. Uh, He'd be able to tell us. Uh, the reason why I think characters don't recognise or, or know who the Cybermen are is that it's mm. much more effective that way. Where do these Cybermen come from? Originally Mondas, but that was destroyed. You know, I'm surprised they didn't mention me. Well, perhaps you overestimate your importance. Oh, I doubt it. Especially as I confine them to a frozen tomb on Telos. Because it's not just that there may be characters in another universe perhaps should recognise them. There's the fact that the audience watching it at home haven't seen them for years. And because there's no reruns, maybe the people who are watching it now have never seen them before. Okay. It is, no it's idea almost, like a, almost like a Cyberman reboot, really. It is, and it's only nerds at home who are watching who understand who it is. Long-term fans. Yeah. And at the, what yeah. the, you yeah. mean at the point where it's airing. Exactly. On, so, in 1982. Because you're going from a gap from 1975 yeah. to 1982. Big, That's huge. Seven it, years. It wasn't a problem years. for us when we watched it in the early 90s as kids because mm. Uh, we'd seen all the episodes out of order and it was a big jumble and we'd seen something yeah, before so true. we knew who they were and yeah. Yeah. when that spoiler because uh, John Nathan Turner wanted to name the episode Earthshock so there'd be no it, would, yeah. it wasn't the something Cybermen. of the Cybermen <laughs> yeah. and he wanted that, that that big reveal to be a huge thing he right. turned down a cover of Radio Times which is the TV guy okay so I went looking to try and find <clears throat> and I might be wrong here when the last time Doctor Who prior to 1982 was on the Radio yeah. Times cover yeah I found the last one that I found, 1973, and John yeah. Pertwee. So they so were, they really needed, they really could have used that cover. Yeah. Out of the out of interest, what were, what were they covering? Was it the Three Doctors or something? Or no, I think he was straight after that. So, um, right. I can't quite recall, but it yeah. wasn't the Three Doctors. I went looking for it, thinking it might have been. Mm. But yeah, it yeah. wasn't that but at all. So to us, that that reveal and that sort of. Um, yeah, that big reveal. It was, mm. pretty, ah, it was really effective. I yeah. loved it as yeah. a kid. You can understand why they wanted to keep oh, it a secret. Yeah. I think so. To the point where, by the way, just to go on a, on a slight tangent. 
Normally, BBC studios are open to other actors and execs within the BBC back in the day to come in and, and watch filming. So, yeah, yeah. So you had stars from other shows watching Doctor Who being filmed and vice versa. Yeah. Mm. This is, I think, the only example in classic Doctor Who where the, the set was oh. closed and shut. They had security <laughs> yeah. car- guards on the door. Yeah, BBC security. Yeah, and no one was allowed in or out. No one knew what was going in yeah. in the studio. And that was unheard of at the wow, time. So they really put a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So they obviously put a lot of stock in this big reveal. Well, it, mm. yeah, and I think the reason for that is it actually comes, I think, at the climax of Davison's first season. We've had a lot of signposting of how much the show has changed since yeah. Tom Baker. <clears throat> if this is to stick, if, mm. if Peter Davison is to be a successful Doctor, this was the story that really needed to, to land. So I totally understand why there wasn't sure. any pre-publicity in Radio mm. Times and why the sets were barred. Yeah, they made a big deal about bringing back classic monsters and, you know, you know the Doctor mm. until you've met the Daleks or whatever <laughs> that's, like that. That's mm. a good point. I don't know if sure. I always agree with it, but... John Pertwee uh, should have met them, though. That would have been great. <laughs> Imagine that delivery, know. though. Fibermen. <laughs> it would have been great. <laughs> it would have been awesome. So the direction by Peter Grimwade, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of his shots that he, uh, just in regards to the Cyberman reveal. At the end of part one, okay. where you get the shot of the Cyberman through the eyes of the android, because they're using yes. the, the androids in the caves to sort of spy and look through and stuff. So they, we go through the vision of the android into the cyberscope. Yeah, so and, good. And that's the first time we ever see the Cyberman for the story. They could have just had a bland cutaway, but no, that sort of framing of through yeah. the androids into the cyberscope, destroyed. What, what a cliffhanger! It a cliffhanger. is brilliant. Can you imagine yeah. waiting seven days to come back? And oh see? my god! There love, would have been kids getting for the. Um, I do, I do love David Banks's a lot of his delivery when he says, uh, "Yeah, destroy them at words." Or, I know that. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, we were trying to do a count of how many times he says "excellent" because yeah. <laughs> he says it several different ways. I love when David Banks says "excellent." Well, I want that back in the new series. Oh, I'd love that too. Some yeah. clenching. And he clenches fists. his fist. He's yeah. like "excellent." Um, oh yeah. The other thing that I really think want to call out is, uh, particularly as we reach um, the climax in, in part four, yeah. um, the direction of Grimwade is really... You said earlier, Cole, that it's, it's shot like a film. You're right. Mm. There's no more than a few seconds in between a next shot and a next yeah. shot and a next mm. shot. In mm. the space of around about 22 <clears throat> minutes... Would you describe it as frenetic? I mm. think so, but that, yeah. it's absolutely paramount to sort of building that tension throughout the narrative. Mm. You know, there's some clever framing and clever use, but it's also that short, sharp stuff that you get... As we reach towards the the you know apocalyptic end of the, yeah, this story, definitely. There's uh, that great. There's that great shot the, again through the scanners. It's like a different medium that Grimwade's using here. After the um, the Cybermen have all sort of burst out of their cardboard tubing, they're all sort of coming down the corridors, and we've got that great score, that sort of industrial clang. It's Malcolm it. Clark. Malcolm Clark yes. score, and it never works finer than in this scene. I think it's the, fantastic. When they march, the march music, yeah, yeah. The clanging and the banging. I think the brief for this was that they wanted a a new anthem. If you like for the Cybermen mm-hmm. on the march, so there's there's a really famous piece of music called I Space Adventure. Yes. I don't think you can top it. But if we're talking about an '80s update, if we're mm. talking about yeah. essentially a reimagining, a reimagining, mm. I think this is as, as good as you could possibly have made does it. it. Does yeah. it come back? Hats the, off to Malcolm Clark. Was it just an Earthshock? I, I don't mm. think it is. I think it's only an Earthshock that we find well, it, and it's really weird because at the time Grimwade, mm. and we've, mm. we've, we've lauded him for his work so far. Mm. I found it baffling that he actually really didn't want Malcolm. No, Clark. he grew, oh, yeah. he grew to d- to really dislike it. Well, which he, I wanted can't to, understand. he wanted to replace it and he didn't, he didn't have, have time. time. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully. Because yeah, it doesn't come back. I don't think it does come back at all. No. What's, what's the score what's the score like in Silver Nemesis? I don't even know. Oh. <laughs> Let's not even bother. Okay. Oh, I've got a soft spot for Silver Nemesis. Yeah, it's yeah. Crap we all do. We all do. <laughs> Steve, you mentioned an apocalyptic ending. Okay, yes. Yeah. This... Can we get into this now? Yeah. I'd love to. <laughs> please, okay. please. And this is the first time since the nineteen sixties. Yes. Uh, and arguably ever mm. that a full-time companion of the Doctor's dies. Yeah, yeah. he's killed off. He's killed yeah. off. <clears throat> what do we think? Um, Why okay. did they do it? It was purely to do with ratings. It was to lift those figures. They wanted to kill him off because he wasn't very popular with the audiences at home, and killing him off was also another great way to boost those ratings. So yes. we've got yeah. a couple of um, instances here where that's pretty evident, I think. Uh, it's a very heartfelt moment. Basically what happens is uh, for the first time ever in Doctor Who history we get a silent credit sequence. There's no music. Mm. There's just rolling credits over a stagnant image of Adric's broken badge the that badge, he wears yeah. on his chest. That's quite and, a poignant uh, shot. And there's no music at all for the whole credit sequence it's quite effective it is a marketing ploy it is to uh, get ratings back up so it is 
facile in that sense but <laughs> the, but it does also work as an emotional thing too because um it's pretty harsh the way he goes out i guess sorry i think you're right i mean as a result of this adric's death it garners 10 million viewers for BBC wow. Doctor mm. Who. Uh, I said earlier that they needed to wait that's, seven days. It's actually not true. That's a huge um, mm. jump. Season mm. 19 is the first time that they've gone away from the Saturday tea time slot. They've gone mm. into prime time twice a week, right? Yeah. So they're really pulling some huge um, numbers here, certainly in comparison to previous years. That particular mm. moment, I suppose, where Adric is killed off is, is one of those sort of uh, moments in time where you know a lot of people are watching Doctor Who one, on TV live. One thing I'll say about Adric is, probably due to a lot of politics going on in the show at the time, I don't know that his character was given its due. Hmm. I, might, I am glad that he was given a hero's death. <clears throat> um, yeah, I never liked him more <laughs> than those bits where he's about to die, because he did it quite well. I because yeah. uh, there's that awesome line, like right before all is lost, right after all is lost, I should say, that, that stray sideman comes in and blows up the scanner that he's working yeah. on and he's hurtling towards the earth and he just looks up and says now no, I'll, I'll never, never know, know if, if I was, was right. right yeah it's yeah. good it's it, a it was great a f- last line oh wow he got me man those like, shots where it's sort of zooming in on the earth so so this oh. is a, this is a callback to full circle yes. which is Tom Baker's last season is Adric it? has his badge for <laughs> yeah. mathematical excellence which he's earned which obviously the doctor uses to fittingly kill the cyber leader right yeah 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 but it's not the badge that he reaches for when he's about to meet his demise, it's actually his brother's uh, belt, which he has worn, I suppose, as, as, as in his memory, yeah. um, but also as, as a badge of honour because his brother, his elder brother, has seen uh, some sort of value in, in his work. Yeah. And he clutches that thinking of mm. his, 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 his wow. brother. His family wonderful. and his home. That's because, yeah. I mean, it brings it all around full circle. Yeah. Sorry to, to uh, pardon the pun there, guys, <laughs> because the very start of the episode, he is basically saying to the Doctor, I want to go, to go home. home. Yeah. I want to go back to East Space. The Doctor's reluctant, obviously, because it's another universe, yeah. um, but he desperately wants to go back, desperately wants to see his own people. And that last scene when he realises that's never going to happen. Mm. He's never going to see anything ever again. I think Adric is, an, is a character that could have worked. Yeah. Uh, there was a number of reasons why it didn't. The crowded TARDIS is one of them. He just yeah. doesn't oh. get enough screen time. No. Can I just say also, though, about mm. the, the still scrolling credits? Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. Is, this is the J&T being a little bit cynical again. Um, he actually saw that, I think, on an episode of Coronation oh, Street. One of man. the main characters a So he stole it. So he's, he's obviously <laughs> sat there in tears thinking, yeah, yeah, oh, yes, I must use that for Doctor Who. Maybe clutching his own <laughs> rope belt. I don't know. Yeah. It fits so well. It fits so well. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so, like, in, in summation, I guess, um, Adric's death, whilst it was largely a marketing ploy and it was serving to boost the ratings of the program, uh, it actually did work it's very beautiful. well yeah. uh, as a department for that character yeah, I, agree. Um, I think it did serve him some justice um, and he got to wipe out the dinosaurs I love this I really yeah. so, no, I want to get into, want to get into yeah. this because I really yeah. like it Chekhov's dinosaurs so we have in, in part one <laughs> it's the first real moment of charm prior to that it's the grim and, and nasty sort of guns and, and whatever else of the troopers and then we and then you yes. finally get to this bit where oh it's beautiful it's nice. so, <laughs> a little, a little uh, grade four science lesson yeah, I that's, really like, like, that's like old Doctor Who Doctor is. Who used to be like and that. there's that yeah. moment of charm as well where the Doctor um, yeah. just sort of you know has a bit of a, a touch of Tegan's nose there in a very playful manner and then oh. and draws them a dinosaur in the yeah it was a lovely touch and there's a bit where, so she, where she uh, she she says I wonder how how advanced my ancestors were at the time and he says primitive Tegan very primitive <laughs> this is great. That little arch, <laughs> little, yeah. little giggle. It's really fun. Yeah, that is really nice. And yeah, that's the, yeah. yeah, that's the first real warmth we get. Mm-hmm. That little science lesson in episode one actually served to uh, point out uh, at the end. Well, I don't know what happens. Is Adric like? <laughs> okay, hang on. Can we just drop time? a klax on at this point? <laughs> the freighter goes backwards in time, mm. but no, it doesn't move anywhere in space. Yeah. We're <clears> not going to be on a collision course with the Earth. Oh, we're we're going to be talking, millions and millions we were talking of about light this years when we were watching away. it. Yeah, yeah. But I just want to forgive it because it's. Yeah. It's actually a it. really clever little way maybe, of bringing maybe, it together. Maybe this is what we forgive about Earthshock then. Maybe that's what we need <laughs> to I don't to think you see it coming Earthshock. either. It's great. And then it goes back in time and mm. because the cyber leader happens to be on board the TARDIS, he's like, mm. well, let's adapt. Yeah, let's mm. do it. Yeah, let yeah. it destroy... Um, Destroy the Earth there. Before uh, they get, it gets a chance, I suppose, to rise against the Cybermen. Yeah, but of mm. course, it just means that history is fulfilled and Adric's the reason why the dinosaurs died out. Mm. Yeah. 
one thing I think we probably do need to address, and it's something that I don't like, uh, and that is a death in the TARDIS. I'm talking about the uh, sci- the poor female scientist. Oh, Professor been- Kyle? Oh, yeah. yeah, she's been stuck in the TARDIS <laughs> with Nyssa for the whole story. <clears throat> the Doctor and Adric, they're, on, they're the A plot. That's where the most of the, the action sort of propels through there. <sighs> the B plot, Tegan and the troop is sort of skulk around in the shadows mm, of the yeah, freighter, yeah, and yeah, they sort yeah. of run out of the TARDIS and need to come back in. Mm. Okay, fine. It's good in the sense that it sort of heightens the drama and the, mm. the sort of suspense of it. The C plot... Mm. <laughs> it's like the D-E-F-T. H-I-J-K plot. Mm. It's Nyssa and Professor Kyle in the TARDIS debating about whether they should go out or not. But for me, Professor Kyle is the sort of... It feels like someone who would be overwhelmed by a minor traffic accident on the by road, never mind being faced she's with this scientist. enormous... She's a professional. She's, she's so she's far out of her depth. She's a civvy. Yeah. yeah. And in that, in that regard, she plays it quite well because she is <laughs> a scientist. Right well, she, well, she, well, she right dusts up. bones for a living, you know. She's, right, up, um, right up to the point where the big blow wave hair comes out when she gets into the TARDIS. <laughs> And then, then she really does turn into a wet sock and she, yeah, yeah she's just a bit of a I don't, look, bleater. My, I guess my point is uh, I don't like that there was a death in oh, the yeah, just, I don't yeah. like a civilian she death. No, she really does die for no reason. It's a civilian death. And that's Sayward in his most callous. Yes. Like, he's, his writing does sometimes come off as quite mean-spirited mm, mm, and um, mm. there's a lot of needless mm, death. Mm. That is horrible. This woman's dead on the, the floor. how people are turned into those um, piles of steaming goop. Yes. With their name badges intact. Yeah. As a kid, I was like, that's amazing, but yeah. it's also pretty nasty. It's full on, man. Like, and it's a real close up of that goo as well, that so, sizzling sort of goop that these yeah. android guns You're seem right, to. it yeah. sizzles. Yeah, yeah, the, main, yeah. the main problem with the violence and the nastiness like, it comes to a head right at the end when you've got the doctor and he rubs the, the edge of the mm-hmm. gold star against Cyberman's chest grill, which is fine, but it, they don't leave it there. At the end, he gets he grabs one of the Cybermen's rifles yes. and he, at point blank range, continue, like blasts him a few times, and that's and it's really nasty. Yeah, yeah. And that's Cyber, I think, a couple times Cybermen die in this story mm. and when oh, the Cyberman leader dies man. at the end the death Not scream the is grinding. like it's really <laughs> he's yeah. straddling the chest really and he's shooting it That's repeatedly terrible. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you guys the doctor picking up a gun mm. means that you failed somewhere else in your writing. Yeah. In oh, story. yeah. Even as a kid, right? I was like, you should it never pick up a gun. It is always a mistake. And he mm. does it more than one occasion. He's actually picked up the gun on the bridge of the, the freighter as well. Yeah. I will yeah. say it's also not the only story where the doctor picks up a gun. Well, it, Arc of Infinity. Well, there's others as well. Day of the Daleks. And, mm. but we'll look, cover that. But yeah. <laughs> it's more so. We're, we're not going to cover Arc of Infinity. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't take. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is not what I was referring to. <laughs> and so if we're going to get into more Saywood. Uh, We've got to talk about the the argument between Davison's Doctor and the Cyber Leader about whether emotions are a weakness or not. Okay, yeah, and and the Doctor has, to summarise his argument, for some small (laughs) beautiful events is what life is all about. I think this is more important than it appears on the face of it. I know Davison's argument can it is a little bit wet, and the examples that he's been given in the writing to yes. say are not great, like Agreed. a well-prepared meal. Yeah. Was he say smelling a flower or something? Yeah. Oh, does he sunset? Well. I think he says something about cradling a laughing child. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't really. He doesn't really. Because no, yeah. um, he's trying to convince the Cybermen, which is ridiculous, <laughs> that, um, that emotions are valuable. Uh, and he, he makes a good crack at it. But the cyber leader shuts him down with one phrase and he says, These things are irrelevant. The delivery is awesome. David, yeah. David Banks nails it. And um, to me, and the doctor doesn't really have a comeback because he literally, he just won that argument. He won it with that one sentence. A, you can't argue with a cyberman because he's an implacable uh, slave to logic anyway, so you're not going to beat him. But B, for him to kind of, in a way, be right. You have affection for this woman. She's a friend. And you do not consider friendship a weakness? I do not. Kill her. No! You are mistaken. I now have control over you, Doctor. All I need do is threaten the woman's death for you to obey me. Okay, whereas... <laughs> you got another side to this. I, I saw the exact opposite. Sure. I actually saw the uh, the fact that the Cyberman couldn't recognise beyond his own discourse right, right. what emotions were. He was entirely bound to the realm of logic and intellect. And in a way, what that suggested to me was that there was a better way. So I actually walked away thinking, no, the Doctor's right, and sort of in a very sort of... But then, many years later, I heard you say what you said the first time we watched Earthshock, and it stunned me. I I had to re-evaluate what what (laughs) Earthshock was all about. And I think I was wrong. That's amazing. Well, and it bothers me, and it... (laughs) 
Earthshock is two things to me, right? One, it's probably the very best example of what is a totally new way of telling Doctor Who stories in the 1980s, which is a new era in itself. Mm. It feels like a new start. But it is also unbelievably grim. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's what's been called in the past Doctor Who stories are either frock mm. or gun. <laughs> and frock or gun. <laughs> Paul Cornell might actually have come up with this. Or was it Gareth Roberts? One of the new adventure writers from the, the 1990s when, mm. the Do- when Doctor Who wasn't on TV. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. the distinction is Doctor Who now moves away from the frock tradition mm. of basically mm. <laughs> that conventional morality told in, you know, wonderful A costumes. Technicolor adventure. Exactly. To mm. something that is basically grim and, yeah. and gun. What Sayward sure. saw was what was going on in the eighties, he sees action adventure as basically the staple of Doctor Who. J and T saw it as a soap opera and insisted on that. Mm. Ultimately, that irreconcilable difference between the two led to that massive falling out they had, because J and T really had no ability or or, <laughs> or a very little interest in in the scripting side of the show. The script editor took reins of that direction, right? Mm. So what we have now is a narrower redefinition of what Doctor Who is as essentially just an action adventure show. Yeah, it's going yeah. up at one point during the reign in the eight, in, uh, run of the eighties against the A Team on ITV, <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it sees itself in competition, but that's not what the show is no. about or ever was about, right? No. Sayward has said that it's it's unreasonable or not very realistic for the Doctor to defeat the Daleks and Cybermen mm. with a sonic screwdriver. And he needs to get a bit violent sometimes, right? Mm. He actually justified this direction to the sixth floor, the top brass of the BBC, to say that basically you mean he whatever had to, he had to walk in and justify yeah, it? well yeah i mean he basically had to justify it in the sense that he wanted doctor who to be more realistic mm. he wanted a science fantasy hero <laughs> of a fictional show to lose and not just lose but be violent in losing mm. right yeah <laughs> because he thought it was more realistic Mm. To me, that makes no sense. Ultimately, we have a script editor in Saywood who has no belief in what the show is about mm. and does not want to believe in the, in the hero without a gun. I think that's fundamentally flawed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose you can be partly forgiven because it's the 80s. You've got big action. Yes. A lot of cocaine. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of nasty wars. A lot of proxy, proxy wars during the Cold War. In Hollywood, we've got Rambo, Arnie, Chuck Norris, yeah. all of these action adventure <laughs> yeah. films, right? Yeah. Which are basically... Over-the-top violence. Oh, my God, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And those quippy sort of returns, yeah. one-liners <laughs> that we, we actually sort of get in some instances here. Yeah. And it, it's really that sort of greed-is-good mentality <laughs> that, that manifests us mm. in the 80s. It's every man for himself. Yeah. That's what gun is, if you like, as mm. opposed to frock. That's that's what Doctor Who has become. The Alpha, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly yeah. right. But it didn't have to be this way for this show. And the proof of this mm. comes in the form of a Davison story that we'll get to in a few months' time. Ah, Your favourite Davison story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. So I can't we, wait. we are going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Decorum, gentlemen. Order, please. Order. I'll step off my soapbox. Guys, uh, I introduced something last time with Terror of the Autons, and that was sort of a discussion, uh, an open forum about the cliffhangers of the story, <laughs> which ones were the best ones, which ones were the, perhaps the worst, yes. and, uh, and why. So I'd like to call this segment uh, Crackers or Clangers. Uh, guys, let's talk about the cliffhangers of Earthshock. Were they crackers? Were they clangers? Okay, all right. Episode one is the Cybermen reveal, followed by the orders... Destroy them! Destroy them at once! I think that one's good. I think that's a good one. Yeah, Yeah, I do too. I really like it. Um, I'm not sure if it's my personal favourite, as we'll get into. (laughs) So, episode two. On this ship, we execute murderers. Ducky. <laughs> so he, he, does, he definitely... No, we, this is comedy and high fast. It is comedy definitely and comedy and high fast. It's and it's something we also touched on uh, last week. We talked about how Autons has great cliffhangers. We get into an era of Doctor Who at some point where sometimes it's just where the episode runs <laughs> yeah. out. It's not really a cliffhanger. It's just where the episode stops. And that's probably verging on that now, sort of with that one. Um, episode three is the Cyberman army emerging Brilliant. from hiding. So it's very dramatic and it ends on the Doctor looking appalled. My army awaits. Doctor! JNT's um, preference for always ending a cliffhanger by yeah. zooming in on the Doctor's horrified <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he does that a lot more with Colin Baker. I do believe Davison pulls it off in this one, yeah. but if he's ever going to pull it off again, it's probably in episode four of Earthshot. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> You're right. So oh, my God, I forgot about that. Adric's blown up with the freighter and the Doctor and the beautiful Tegan and Nyssa. Uh, they watch on helplessly. We cut to the silent credits, but before the silent credits is just that Davison moment <gasps> yeah. where we've just Crest got that ball. shot where Tegan sort of comes up to him. She de- she's, she's really 
imploring him yeah. to say something right now because Adric's just died in front of them on the scan on the TARDIS yeah. scanner, mm. and Nissa sort of holds her back and just sort of says, "Don't." And Davison's face. Uh, I've got goosebumps right yeah, now yeah, thinking about yeah, it, actually. Then that enters into the, the silent credits yeah. that we've spoken about. That's a good um, one, too. That is a great one. Yeah. I think that one might be my personal favourite. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm going to give it to that, yeah. I like Execute Murderers. <laughs> yeah. It's quite fun. High comedy I always, and I always laugh, but it's also... Yeah, it's, I like it. After the end of the ep- end of the story, they go to Time Flight, which is a story that we will never cover. <sighs> one that should never really be watched. Well, yeah, the, the start of that episode picks up exactly where it left off, and they yeah. argue, Doctor, why can't we go back and rescue Edric? Mm. And he argues I think that it's a mistake. You can't do mm. it. And... Mm. Yeah. They needed mm. to have time elapse instead of having to go straight back I, in. I yeah, so, because, yeah. They, because mm. when they do that, well, we're not mm. going to go into time, time, time flight, but they just sort of get over Edric's death mm. Far too pretty quickly. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, tread a fine line. After Earthshock, if you feel inspired, sweet dogs, or those that are new to who, to sort of uh, delve more into Davison, be careful. <laughs> do you've, got, you've got to pick them right. Yeah, no, no, right. and it's got nothing to do with Davison no. himself. Maybe just it's stick with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, stick hey, with us. Right that's now. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stick yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah, so just watch yeah. one Davison every like three or four months. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, well, let's bring it back to our mission statement. Why are we watching this, yeah, why? and why should anybody watch this? If if you want to know what Doctor Who yeah. is in the early eighties, what is the best example of that? Like it or And what is the text that redefines Doctor Who? Look at Earthshock. Yeah. It's a really good example of what mm. Davison, Davison's era is about. It's a very representative yeah. of, um, of that kind of era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the Cybermen. It's incredibly well directed. Yeah, it is. It's a nice, it tight, punchy great. story. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. And, and Davison is on form. I love, <clears> I love I him so. as the yeah. fifth Doctor here. One thing I really do think that we should maybe talk a little bit about. All right, let's call this out. Yeah, I think we need to talk about this because I've been dying to talk, to talk <laughs> about this with you guys on, on the actual podcast. It's something that we hit upon early on, isn't it? <laughs> we were talk, looking a lot at uh, what it was like to be a child for us when we were growing up with Doctor Who. And one of those things was the covers, uh, the cover artwork of the Target novelizations. Massive. Because you couldn't always yeah. get, before, sometimes you couldn't get VHSs sometimes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when they did come out, they were limited. We all saw them in the library. We all saw them in garage sales. Yeah. We all saw them in <laughs> yeah. second hand bookstores and we pleaded with our mums to buy a copy <laughs> of saved up lunch money for those guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we would put them on our bookshelves and we would have pride in place yeah Lovingly. and you were, and the collection would slowly grow a couple of my local libraries had literally every mm. single one oh, wow. so i just so lucky. every week i'd go and get another one okay. um, and those covers uh-huh. were so beautiful and they were, they were so lovely that we thought one of the things we could do for this podcast is mm. uh instead of just having a, a, solo, a straight up logo for every for every cast we try and recreate the cover with our, our logo rudely stamped on top. <laughs> a crude approximation. I, I will. Uh, mm. I'm a sort of Photoshop uh, and <laughs> jiggle um, our logo so that it's uh, as uh, era appropriate at yeah, times. As and, possible, and sweet yeah. dork, if you look at your iPhone or, mm. or phone of choice yeah. right now, you will see. The Earthshock, the 1992 Ugh. reprint. In, in Earthshock's instance, we uh, we approached Mr. Alistair Pearson for his artwork for the 1992 mm. edition. We've also used his uh, Unearthly Child one as well. That's right. Uh, that which is one. beautiful. Probably one of my favourites of all time. Yeah. Brilliant. And Alistair, we just want to say thank you so thank much you. for the use of your work. <laughs> it's it's very sleek and it, it fits very nicely and uniformly with a, a lot of those editions that came out with that run of Target books. <laughs> but one thing that was released in 1983 was that particular book's ugly cousin which is my favourite this book was uh, well, pretty much just a uniform blue cover. The action pose of Davison slapped onto the front. Slapped onto the front. He's got a cyber gun. Why? Yeah, I don't know why. It's, just it's not a still from the show. So maybe a production still from on set. Yeah, that, that's I guess what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I actually thought it was two separate images collaged together, which is what a few of those books of that time did. There's one yeah. the Ark of Infinity, the Visitation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bad. few of it. It's Earthshock's not the only one that had one of these sort of lackluster covers. What I love about this cover <laughs> is that every time I look at it, it reminds me of the smell of a second-hand bookstore. Yeah, uh, yeah. Scouring through the targets, there were always loads of Earthshock. <laughs> and there's reasons for that. There was the $2 bin in Kmart, where they were trying to get rid of the targets that they used to sell in Kmart for like $1.50 yeah. or whatever. They got rid of them, and there'd be loads of Earthshocks <laughs> just sitting there in the bin. And I love that it's written It's written by Ian Martyr, who played mm-hmm. Harry Sullivan. Yeah. In yes. We would be remiss, guys, if we did not talk yeah, about so, this. Yeah. So Ian Martyr did novelise a few of them. Mm, it's good. quite highly lauded as one of the better sort of scripted. It really um, is, and he brings that gun element across mm, really well. Mm, Ian Martyr's noted for that, by the yeah, way. Yeah. He sort of really does make it a bit Fun. grim. Mm. Another uh, little, another 
little couple of thanks um, mm. to people who were nice to us on Twitter. Uh, I couldn't really believe it. The first yeah. one was Christopher H. Bitme. Oh, my yeah. gosh. We talked about Legopolis earlier, the yeah. last Tom yeah. Baker Some story. other classic yeah. bakers that he, he wrote. And script it? editor yeah. of that final season of mm. Tom Baker, yeah, too, which yeah. is a really beautifully structured thematic season mm. that goes mm. into you know, you know the final uh, scene of, of Tom Baker sort of lying there, regenerating. Yeah. It's so chilling. Yeah. yeah. So we want um, to say thanks for your shout-out, um, Christopher H. Bitme. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, uh, also a little mention from one of my heroes, Paul Connell. <laughs> one of your heroes, one of yeah. all of our yeah. heroes. We, we've all read Human Nature. Yeah. We've all seen it on yeah. telly. Yeah. Also, yeah, he wrote some great new adventures and some yeah. great episodes. And also mm. one of my favourite new adventures, mm. uh, No Future, which yeah. is... Uh, 1977. Yeah, to a 13-year-old boy who was obsessed with, like, 70s British punk and mm. sci-fi. Yeah. He's a marriage <laughs> made in heaven, so thank you, Paul. For sure. What about next month? Uh, well, this is this is going to be one of mine. Yeah. Uh, it's Remembrance of the Daleks. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> it's our first Dalek story, I guess. But it's McCoy, and uh, he's my doctor. And I remember mm. watching Remembrance as a kid for the first time ever, and it scared the hell out of me. It's got mm. it's got it's got McCoy's weird weirdo doctor. Yeah, uh, he's dark and mysterious. You've got yes. Ace, who's magnificent. Mm. He's so great. Sophie Aldred. It's kind of dark, and it's messed up. And there's a callback to an earlier story we've done on the podcast, and we'll get into that yeah. next time. All right. <laughs> I've got something a little bit different for you guys this time around for this episode. We've talked a lot about Adric at length, possibly the fact that he wasn't given a great run, but he, would, he did get a hero's death. And in honour of Adric, <laughs> I have composed a piece of music. It's entitled Star Child. <laughs> and coincidentally, it does run at the exact same length as the silent credit sequence oh. at the end of episode four. So if one was to... <laughs> Play them up against each you other. Genius. <laughs> you, uh, so you can watch it with this music. Yeah, it's kind of like listening to Dark Side of the Moon and watching Wizard of Oz. They link up. Has so music uh, that, sorry, does it represent Ad- Adric? Is uh, any... it is a homage to Adric. <laughs> it is a homage to Star Children Everywhere. That's going to be our outro theme today for Episode Three: Earthshock. Thanks for joining us, Thanks guys. For us. Yeah, yeah, that was a good fun. And we will uh, see you next time for Remembrance of the Daleks. All right. Until then, Star Child. <laughs> We can't leave without him. Goodbye, Tegan. I see you soon. I see you soon. right. There's a chance. Leave now. There is no chance. Just leave. The boy's right. The boy will stay here. Look. I constantly teased. Now I'll never know if I was right. I must say, Adric, 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 Adric. I'll find my own way. Star child. Good luck, Adric. Bye, Doctor.